This is it. What is it? Everyone loves a little banter. This is it. I'm Dustin Harder, and this is Keep On Cooking. Hello there, and welcome to Keep On Cooking, the podcast dedicated to plant-based cookbooks and the authors who wrote those cookbooks. I'm your host, Dustin Harder, and I'm here with my husband and producer of the podcast, Mr. Rossetti. And I have to ask you, Mr. Rossetti, what was your last dream about, and how did I look? <laughs> I don't remember my dreams very often, do you? Um, I don't... I only... If I do, they're intense. Like You're telling me I wasn't in your last dream? Well, I can't remember what my last dream was. The point is you're always dreaming about I'm me. always dreaming your about dreamy you. dreamy husband. Um, the dream of you is a reality. Ah, <laughs> bless your heart. How about Bless that? your heart. Um, I remember them when they're crazy bananas, like, or, yeah, I don't ever have like, oh, a peaceful dream, and I'm just like, oh, I remembered I was doing this, and it was lovely. There's my usually craziest, weird stuff going on. And I don't know if I've ever, ever told you this. My craziest recurring dream was... um. Was or running? Is, you still have it? I, I haven't had it in a long time, but I used to have these dreams of Robin Williams dressed as Peter Pan, and we were running from alligators. Did the alligators ever get you? I don't think so, but they was like it was intense. Like it wasn't like cartoony. It was like we were really running, but it was Robin you Williams. Know if you, as if Peter the alligators Pan. get you and you die in your dream, you die in real life. <gasps> I'm from Florida. I have a really a big alligator fear. So. Uh, listen, I understand. I, th- I, I now live in got... Georgia, and I have a huge snake fear okay. that you love to make fun of me for. Oh my gosh. Here, anyway, but... yes, you absolutely There's one right behind do. you. See, what is that? Everyone listening, it's a real fear. We have a small dog. There's large snakes out there that want to bite my little baby's feet when we walk along in the woods, and I am not here for it. And when he says little baby, he's not talking about me. I'm not. But then he also makes fun of me. David makes fun of me. And we were walking last year on a hike and a snake popped out. And you should have seen how far David jumped back from I that did snake. not. Lies. And it didn't pop out. And then we were like, do we warn the people that are coming? What do we do? We had like a whole moment. Do you remember? We did. We, we did. Like, <gasps> Anyways, we got through it. Let's talk about today's guest because she is <laughs> everything. She is everything, everywhere. And- uh, everything and everywhere yes yeah. it is uh miyoko shinner she's back 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 again she is back for a return for a return you may recall she was our very first guest on the keep on cooking pod and she's the best and she's the best she's she's a guest and the best and uh the she, best re- guest. she returned to chat about her brand new book the vegan meat cookbook meatless favorites made with plants coming out may 11th uh we did make a couple dishes from this book we had a digital review copy we don't have the hard copy yet to flip through um before we get through the things we made david i'm curious because you know miyoko's got all the things on the market she's got the roadhouse pub cheese she's got the cream cheese she's got the shred she's got the block she's got the uh where it all started the artisanal Artisan? uh, cheese wheels what's your favorite miyoko cheese oh that's tough i mean i think maybe because we had it first the i mean the artisanal wheels are so great for parties we get compliments when we bring that to parties all the time so i mean maybe the chive you love that chive one i do too. i, I do as chive well it's or like creamy the chive i think it's the, called or the aged cheddar or the the sharp smoke. the sharp oh you like the, the smokehouse i cheddar. like the smokehouse I, think it's called I, smokehouse cheddar. I love 
everything or smoke that has a little cheddar or something. Yeah, it's something like it's that. Smoked something smoked cheddar. Um, yeah. But I like I, I like anything smoked. It is delicious. And it's delicious. I am now a fan of. She's got the cheddar blocks out. And listen, wh- y'all, when it comes to vegan cheese, here's my deal. I'm never like, oh my god, try this. It's that's a lie, actually. I was gonna say I'm never like, oh my god, try this. It's just like cheese. You're gonna love it because. Her cheese is delicious. I'm not saying I'm not I'm I'm not down and on her cheese, but when I tried the block, I was gonna be like, okay, it's gonna taste like, you know, a cashew cheese or something. But I tried it, it's like a cheddar block. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. And I used I miss I've missed that so much. When I was a kid, we always had those blocks of cheddar and you oh, just sure. you take just, a little slice. Or like five little slices. slices. Yeah, when we had crackers. it here, it was gone in like I do recall. Two shakes. I, I, I think that. I had a couple slices. You had a couple. And I think that week we had some pepperoni from another company too. So we were eating, mm. like, we were doing like the cheddar and the pepperoni and all that stuff like that. But I do like that cheddar block from her. Um, Which is exciting. But I will say out of this new book, there's an, and I talk about it later in the interview, there's an easy buffalo mozzarella. Ooh. Oh, yeah. That was amazing. Oh, my gosh. That was like science in a jar. But so simple. So simple. So simple. I, I lo- You were starting it. I was watching or playing a video game, and then I looked back, and there was like cheese. mozzarella, like cheese, yeah. like floating. I'm actually going to do it for a private uh, cooking class I have coming up. Um, I'm not going to teach it in the class. I'm going to do like a little charcuterie board for them to start. That's off amazing. With. And I'm going to do little mozzarella caprese balls with caprese. You know, some basil and some tomato. Oh, I love it. Um, it's going to be so good, so yummy, so delicious. So that's a couple of these are that's a few amazing. of our favorite Miyoko things. But uh, so I made that easy buffalo mozzarella from mm-hmm. the book. We also made the carbonara from the book, which was creamy and, and delicious. Was delicious. modeled after uh, Moon, which is a restaurant we all went to in Sicily together with Miyoko. Actually, so that was fun. That was cool to have in the book. Cool. Um, we talk about that more in the interview. And I also made from the book this chilled soba noodle salad. So oh, good, delicious. Remember? And it was great. Mm-hmm. We took it. We had it for meal prep. We took it uh, for, with us to lunch for the week. And um, it's fun to have like a little noodle salad that's not overwhelming in terms of like it wasn't heavy. It was light. Yes, it was chilled sure. and mm-hmm, mm-hmm, super mm-hmm. delicious. And then we did the roasted cauliflower with the chorizo vinaigrette, which was again a different take, sort of on like a vinaigrette because it was a a, a meaty, yeah, air right. quotes, hearty vinaigrette uh, topped on top of the roasted cauliflower. Delicious. All super delicious, really easy to make stuff. Um, but yeah, this book is really, really great. I mean, shocker. It's Miyoko Shinner. Uh, Miyoko has been delivering up her style of gourmet vegan cuisine to the public for decades through her many enterprises, including a restaurant, natural food company, cooking classes, lectures, and books. Her titles include the groundbreaking book, Artisan Vegan Cheese, uh, the Homemade Vegan Pantry, and her newest release coming out that we talked about, uh, which is next week. Wow. Uh, the Vegan Meat Cookbook, Meatless Favorites Made with Plants. Miyoko is the founder of Miyoko's Creamery, makers of artisanal vegan cheese available at key retailers and online at miyokos.com. She is co-host of Vegan Mashup, a cooking show on the Create channel as seen on PBS, a cheesemaker, cult celebrity chef best-selling cookbook author, animal advocate, environmentalist, global speaker, and entrepreneur. Miyoko is an Epicurean activist who is leading the animal-free transformation of the dairy industry, and she's doing it so well. She is a gift to the world, and we are so honored to have her back on the podcast. Here she is, Miyoko Shinner. 
You may know her as the queen of vegan cheese, but her credentials, talents, and accomplishments go far beyond cheese. She has been saving animals and the planet and helping people eat compassionately in a myriad of ways for decades. It's the one and only Miyoko Shinner. How are you, darling? Hello there, Dustin. I'm so glad to be uh, back here. I remember the time I visited you in your um, apartment. Yes. You made mac and cheese, or I made mac and cheese. I can't remember who who it was that did that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we made yeah. mac and cheese from your previous oh, book. We made the one pot mac and cheese. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. And then we, w- we were in Sicily together. We filmed an episode of your show. We sure did. And we ate all the good food together. You showed oh me around, which I'm so pleased in this new book, everybody. It's called The Vegan Meat Cookbook, Meatless Favorites Made with Plants. You cover a couple things from Sicily in there. I know, including the arancini. Remember we ate arancini, those giant triangles? Yes. Yes, they were so tasty, so delicious. And not like the arancini. Every, you have to go watch the episode, everybody, of the Vegan Roadies, Season 3, Episode 1, Miyoko's. On. It's like that. I mean, explain the shape for us, Miyoko. Okay, so it's shaped like Mount Vesuvius. And so, yes. so if you guys know what onigiri is, onigiri, how do you say it in English? It's onigiri in Japanese, but onigiri or whatever it is, you know, those, the Japanese rice balls that are like triangles. Oh, that like the triangle? Yeah, the triangles. But, but these are not triangles. These are more like cones mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. Sicily has Mount Etna. And so it's supposed to be in the shape of Mount Etna. And it really is the size of your hand. I mean, it's, they're giant. So in, in, in the United States, an arancini would be this cute little, you know, smaller than a golf ball size right, right. risotto, deep fried with some cheese or something in, in the middle of it. And in Sicily, it's this giant snack that you would maybe, you know, it's easy to transport. And so maybe it's something that you would take on a, you know, if you were a shepherd, like, I don't know, walking up Etna with your, um, with your sheep or something like yes. that. Yes. Arancini to, to munch on. It'd be like a sandwich or something. And it would definitely wow. tide you over. It's so funny when we did that and we were filming, I was I was expecting these little balls to come out to the table. And then it Me was too. this huge conical <laughs> sort of, you know, sh- like handful of one thing was so huge. And we I think we split one of them three ways that day too. I think we had, and we ordered like eight of them or something. Yes. We were, so we were definitely sharing. Yes. It was funny. Um, well, I'm thrilled to have you back. We're here to talk about your phenomenal new, phenomenal new book. It's available for pre-order now. Everywhere books are sold, everybody. This book is coming out May 11th. It is May 11th, right? I got May that May right. 11th is right. That's right. May 11th. That's the date. It's called The Vegan Meat Cookbook, Meatless Favorites Made with Plants. How exciting is that? Congratulations. Are you jazzed up? I am. I, in fact, it's so jazzy. I feel like bursting into song. But now, seriously... <laughs> Uh, you know, it's just, it's interesting because just to tell you how this, the whole book came about, um, I, you know, here I am, I'm, I'm Japanese and I grew up really without cheese or meat. I mean, the first few years of my life, they were both absent from my life. And then I became, you know, just absolutely uh, enamored with cheese and of course meat too, but I only ate meat for a few years of my life. I mean, I am. And what period of that was then when you ate meat? Cause we talked a little about this before. Yeah. So I was probably about seven when I came to the United States and started eating meat and I became a okay. vegetarian at 12. So really I only ate meat for five years. So of wow. all the people in the world that would write a <laughs> a vegan meat cookbook, I would be the least likely, but it just like seemed to make sense when the publisher called me and said, can you write this book? I'm like, you know, cheese, meat, cheese, meat. Hey, it's all sort of the same. So, so I did. 
Well, it all comes down to how we season everything, right? And how we make it and what the flavors are of it. And and that's something, obviously, you've become a master of with the cheese. And now you're doing the meat. But that's interesting to hear. So this was the publisher's idea then. It was the publisher's idea. I mean, I had no interest in writing a book. I mean, I'm running Miyoko's Creamery. Sure. I work 60 hours a week. or more. You are an empire. Come and, on. I, yeah, I don't know about that. But, you know, and then I've got the sanctuary, the farmed animal sanctuary. So I am a very... You know, as I say, I'm a very busy lady. And the last thing I was going to do was write another book, but it just seemed like such a great opportunity. And it seemed like if, if, you know, one of the things that I love is the reason I wrote Artisan Vegan Cheese and I wrote Homemade Vegan Pantry is that I want to empower people to make their own products, their own food in their home. I I don't want people going out and buying a bunch of processed food all the time. Um, and, and that's why what, I had no plans when I wrote Artisan Vegan Cheese to start a cheese company. But people were like, but I don't want to make it. Can you just make it for me and I'll buy it? So so I did. But you know, then I wrote Homemade Vegan Pantry because I'm still on this quest to get people in the kitchen <laughs> start cooking. Yes, um, yes. And so that's the same thing with this book. When they first asked me to write it, I thought it was going to be like a DIY book. And right. they said, no, we want you to, to um, you can have DIY also. But, you know, we also want people to to know how to cook with the stuff that's coming into the marketplace, because I guess a lot of people, especially flexitarians, are like, I, you know, I bought some whatever um, meatless grounds and I took it home and it didn't perform the same way. And I don't really know how to use right. it. Right. Sure. And so um, I said, fine, I'll, I'll do that. You know, but I'm not a big um, meat substitute uh, eater, to be perfectly honest. I, I really eat more of a whole foods plant based diet, not to say I never eat meat substitutes. Right. I, I managed to get in a DIY um, chapter and it actually became the longest chapter. And they kind of made, they're like, you know, it's, it's got too many recipes. No, more. <laughs> um, but I, that was the part that really excited me was, was the DIY recipes. And one of the ones that I really like in there is a lobster. So there's a vegan ro- lobster recipe. In mm-hmm. I had so much fun making it and I made lobster thermidor and you sure did. What's the base of that lobster? Well, it's it's got cognac and a uh, konjac in it. Okay. Um, konjac and it has soy protein in it, and the two work really, really well together. And and there's a little sweetness to it, and there's some sea vegetables in there as well to give it some of that, uh, you know, flavor from the sea, but not overwhelmingly. Um, and you know, there's this amazing pasta with mushroom dish that is made from that that I really, really love. It's just so. Um, and then I was able to put a lot of French inspiration, making mm-hmm. things like cassoulet. Um, and then um, another recipe that's kind of funny is um, if, if you've ever bought like the chicken, the half vegan chicken, you know, the chickens that come from China, not not real chicken, obviously, but the, the breast of chicken that you get from China made out of soy protein and it doesn't taste very good. Sure. Um, but I found that if I actually confit it, which is basically you you bake it in, in like a bath of butter. <laughs> I mean, which is like <laughs> it turned out to be delicious. So yes, yeah. So there's a lot of like French and Italian techniques in here. Um, it, so there's yeah the 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 rest the the chapters were not traditional. Um, you know, my publisher said, well, usually you know chapters are like breakfast, lunch. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I just had a completely different spin on how I wanted the chapters to be, um, but I think it works. 
Yeah, it definitely works. And thank goodness that you had a different spin because we get that all the time. We always get the breakfast, lunch, and dinner, the apps, the desserts chapter. So this was actually very refreshing to see things sort of split up this way. And I love the way you talk about empowering home cooks. I mean, everyone, listeners, Miyoko was on episode one of Keep On Cooking, And it's one of the things I love about her and her books is it's all about really empowering everybody at home. And, you know, I really want you to go back, listen to episode one, because we dig a lot into uh, the history of Miyoko's book. Like we said, there's homemade vegan pantry, artisan vegan cheese, and there's like two or three more, right, Miyoko? Yep. Yep. There's a couple more still. uh, Yeah, that are still in print. One's out of (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's great. You've been around long enough writing them to have one out of print. I think that's a good sign. Don't you have another version of it though? Like, isn't it, it's out of print. Yeah. Yeah. There's another version of it. Um, yeah. So I mean, come on, is it really yeah, out of print? I think that was like one of the, there were, there were two cookbooks that came out right around with literally within two or three months of each other. Um, and they were, I think the first cookbooks that elevated vegan cuisine back in 1990. So, you know, up until then, vegan cookbooks were like, you know, I don't know how to make tofu, how to cook with tofu or, um, you know, just really lentil loaf. I mean, I always make fun of lentil loaf, even though I love it, but. I know, right. It's so funny. I make fun of it too, but it really is delicious. Sometimes you're like, oh, I just want that comforting sort of like. Yes. That air quotes, meatloaf, lentil loaf situation. Yes. Um, Well, like I said, we're going to talk about Miyoko's new book, but before we do that, Go back to episode one, do a deep dive into Miyoko's career. We talk all about it in episode one. For now, we're going to get to this icebreaker question, which is very interesting because you just talked about books in the 90s and all that stuff like that. What's something you believed earlier in your career, but think about differently now? Oh, okay. Well, that one is a very, very, it's a great question. And there's a lot of answers. But what I'd like to say is back in the 1990s, I had several other businesses in food. And I remember someone thanking me. I used to, I had a vegan uh, meat company actually back in the day. I had a meat company in the 1990s. It was called Now and Zen. And I had a product called the Unturkey, which was the second leading turkey alternative to Tofurkey. Wow. And we had the Unribs, the Unsteakout, and the Breast of Unchicken. And uh, I remember someone, I don't know, someone I met who just was like, beaming with joy and thanking me for making these products and telling me how much good I was doing for the world. And I was like, what are you th-? I was in my head thinking, what are you thinking about? All I did, all I'm doing is making food. It's not like, you know, I invented a cure for cancer or anything. And I really was sort of embarrassed that I was a business person, that I had gone into businesses and was selling products. Um, I thought business was, I didn't have any I, 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 I now I realize I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs, so it was really natural for me to be an entrepreneur, and that's all I've, that's all I've ever been. But at the time, I didn't have any respect for what I was doing, um, and I just thought, um, you know, I, I wish I could be like a real activist, starting an activist organization and really changing the world. But all I really knew how to do was make food, um, and and you know, a vegan food because it's always been vegan. Um, and it took me years to realize that food is a form of activism. In fact, it's one of the most important, most impactful forms of activism. And now, um, not just food, but but uh, and if food, if you can take that food and turn it into a business, so you reach more people, mm-hmm. and you think about your business 
in a very conscientious fashion and you create a business platform that really does consider sustainability, equity, and justice for all, all stakeholders, their, your employees and, sure, yes. and, and, you know, the, the suppliers, everything consumers, then it is one of the greatest, most impactful things that you can do. So back in the nineties, I thought I was just a loser, <laughs> you know, just, I, I just couldn't really, I was never going to be a mover maker. Um, and, uh, but it was all I knew how to do. And, and now I realize how important um, a business, I see the value of a purpose-driven business. When did it shift for you? When did you start to see that? You know, it, I think it was gradual, but it was really probably after I started Miyoko's. I was going to say, I feel like there must have been a moment where you had a click because this Miyoko's creamy just, creamery just took off, you know, I mean, the way yeah. it eventually did. It really did. Um, and I think it was kind of early on in, in when I started Miyoko's and I realized, oh my God, look at, you know, when we just, I mean, we really did just, we just took off and I realized, oh my God, it, it, this has the power to, to, to uh, convert people to veganism. Yeah. And it um, definitely, yeah. definitely has too. I love that. Well, I, for my, my answer to this question, something that you believed early in your career, you think differently about now. Mine is that specifically in vegan food, when I started in vegan food, I felt I had to apologize all the yes. time about it being vegan. And it's so interesting. You talk about sort of your journey with, you know, your career and activism and food. And now you have that phrase phenomenally vegan. And because of you in that, I've learned I'm I'm unapologetically vegan now because there's nothing to apologize for. There's nothing. It's a <laughs> phenomenal thing you can do. Yes. It's so exciting. And, and I am out to prove to the world, just like you are, how phenomenal of a lifestyle this is. And I can honestly tell you, you know, by looking at your profile and people like you and so many other vegans, vegans are just happier. They're happier yes. because they wake up every day without the weight of, oh my God, I just killed another life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you can look at any animal anywhere and know that that, that, that animal is going to be left free because of you, that you are contributing to a world that honors the lives of, of, of other living beings, not just farm animals, but all the living beings that you've saved yes. the wildlife whose habitats weren't destroyed by animal agriculture. And, it, and it just, you know, when you know, you're not ridden with guilt all the time, you, you become happier. I mean, That's I know true. a lot of people would say, well, I, I, I don't have any guilt about eating meat, but there, you know, I think somewhere deep down, I mean, we're all in, you know, people are conflicted, you know, sure. oh, I, eat, I love animals. People are always saying, I love animals, but uh, but I have no problem eating pork. Um, but somewhere deep in their soul, I'm sure they're conflicted. Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, really, the psychology of people and all this is so interesting. That's a whole nother podcast. Oh, it my goodness. It certainly is. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I am thankful for you and for being phenomenally vegan. Um, I always ask our guests what their first cookbook was, and, and you answered this already. It was the Time Life series of cookbooks that you said you still have, your parents had. Uh, you were fascinated with learning how to work with meats and grains and it inspired recipes you still come up with to this day. But I'm curious then, since you answered that particular question, question about your first cookbook. What is there? Are there any a vegan cookbook or a couple vegan cookbooks specifically something that has inspired you that's come out in, uh, you know, the, the, the cookbook landscape and the vegan landscape of cookbooks in the last decade or so? Well, I don't know about the love. last decade, but if we go back like three decades, I, I remember sure. one of the cookbooks that inspired me was, um, um, 
the vegetarian epicure. And this oh. was um, one of the, the first cookbooks that really, really made an impact on vegetarianism and, and elevated vegetarianism, not veganism, vegetarian. There's lots of dairy in there. Um, and I remember reading that as a vegetarian in my, you know, I don't know, late teens, maybe early 20s. And then I read um, both volumes of Mastering the Art of, of, of French Cooking by Julia Child. And I tried to, ah. I learned most of my techniques really from French, like her, from her and other French cookbooks on, you know, reduction of sauces and you know, making, trying to figure out how do I make a vegan demi-gloss, for example, or methods like confit, things like that, you know, they, it really all came from her. Uh, and then I was able to apply them to, to uh, grains and, and vegetables and unique and nuts sure. and unique ingredients. Um, you know, in the last um, few years, there's been um, some really, I think there's, um, I think Bryant Terry's done some remarkable work. Um, really just some flavor combinations. There's been um, the guy who wrote, what is his name? The guy who wrote Otolenghi. Um, uh, they're not all vegan. Most they're all vegetarian, but it's just some really amazing things with just how you approach vegetables. Um, so I think, you know, the focus on the vegetable, which is sometimes still not done by vegans because vegans, I feel like a lot of vegan cookbooks are still intent on recreating comfort foods and foods that we have departed from. Uh, sure. that are, you know, animal-based. And uh, a lot of vegans still aren't focusing on what can you do with broccoli? What can you do with cauliflower or bok choy? And how do you really elevate these foods? And it's it's really more the the vegetarians, the flexitarians, and the, you know, sort of other world-class chefs like like um, Charlie Trotter that have really just taken the vegetable and really tried to, to, to do something that's more exciting and really honor it. So, um, I think there's a number of cookbooks and there's, there's so many vegan cookbooks. I can't keep up anymore. Actually. I know it's, um, it's insane. There was, uh, there was a time when there were no cookbooks. I know, I know. And it's really just, uh, exploded just almost. Up. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's to a crazy degree, really. Now it's kind of hard when, when someone's like, Oh, can you recommend a book on this? I'm like, literally just Google it and you'll find five. I was like, and, and I, you know, if it's a specific thing, cause there's just so many, you know, and everyone's got their own taste. It's hard to recommend. I can always just say, you know, what, what I've liked and what's worked for me though. You know, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. But it's really great. It's, of course, your interest is in those expansive cookbooks because your books are just so expansive like that. They're very educational, but they're also approachable at the same time. And speaking of, we're going to get into it. It's the Vegan Meat Cookbook, Meatless Favorites Made with Plants. You have a great track record with these sorts of things, with, with creating these sorts of flavors for people, different things, cheeses and meats. And I didn't know what to expect from it still being a meat-centric book, though, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and some of the, the recipes feature more, you know, are more vegetable based using meat as an enhancement of vegan meat is, and some of them are very, very meat centric. Um, and, and then there's the trick of some of the, you know, the, I mean, you know, there's some really great meat, some like, you can't go wrong with beyond sausage. I mean, that sure. in and yeah. of itself is so delicious. It doesn't need a lot of help. But there are some other um vegan products that are just kind of like little, lacking in a little bit of flavor and how do you spruce them up and make them as juicy as you want them and tasty. And so, you know, there's, there's that spin on it, but 
Um, yeah, I don't know where where you want to start or what you want to talk about here. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna get into yeah. it. I mean, I because it's so amazing. I didn't know whether to expect like you know all scratch made meats or stuff. And I was thinking about the unribs from Homemade Vegan Pantry, which are like one of my favorite. And then you know there's stuff you have in here like staples like succulent steak. Uh, instant burger, patty, meatball, and beef crumbles mix, pork tender love, king trumpet mushroom bacon, and savory roasted chicken. Y'all, that's just to name a few. And that's from those are from that final chapter, the DIY chapter, Art of Making Meat and Cheese from Plants. But you give readers easy cheats with direct brand recommendations too, which I love. So let's just get into chapter one, shall we? All right. Yeah, we've got starter small bites, salads, and side dishes. You've got grilled Mexican street corn, kale and sausage gratin, avocado quinoa, and bacon cakes. And I actually made the roasted cauliflower with hot chorizo vinaigrette. I used the Uptons for that. And th- this is a great take on making it a vinaigrette. The chorizo is the vinaigrette, y'all. And it's got that nice pop of the apple cider vinegar on the roasted cauliflower. It was just tasty and satisfying. What are one of your favorite dishes from this chapter? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, This doesn't sound very interesting, but the kale and sausage gratin is one of these comfort foods that's actually really, really good. Um, And then the, you know, if you're interested in um, calamari, if you want calamari, this is a calamari fritti is made out of konyaku, uh, which which is made out of konjac. You can buy it at Asian grocery stores. And I have a recipe for making your own seafood uh, konjac in here. Um, by using, I was going to say, can you elaborate to our listeners what konjac is? Yeah. So konjac is the root of the konjac plant. Really? That's all it is. And it's sort of gelatinous. Um, and you can buy it in a powder, you can buy it online. Um, and it, it reacts with, um, with, a, a pickling line to form this sort of really firm gel that it does not thermoreverse, which means it doesn't melt. And so it's got the texture of squid. So if you buy vegan seafood online, and now there's like a plethora of vegan, um, you know, shrimp and things online, most of them have are konjac based. So um, you can actually make your own vegan seafood using konjac. And so I have a recipe for uh, making your own vegan squid, and then you can turn mm. that into calamari fritti. And, you know, those are just, uh, you could, I could just go through a whole pile of them. I mean, I'm, it's fried. So it's not like, <laughs> right. Exactly. But, but, but the good thing is the frying part isn't good, but the konjac itself, get this has no calories. I mean, Hey, so, so you can't go wrong with that. So, you know, I think that's really good. And then there's just, there's just, these are simple recipes, mostly um, vegetable based. And then the arancini is in here. Um, yes. Yeah. It's, uh, pistachio and ham, right? Yeah. Pistachio and ham that's in here. And then there's just some fun things like, you know, just a, a grilled salad, like, you know, and you go to, you go to any restaurant, they all have cheese and meat in them and, uh, in the salads. When you go to the salad menu, you're, right. and you're like, I just want a salad. And then every salad has, has cheese and meat in it. Um, and as vegans, we typically don't do that, but I decided to throw a couple of those in here. <laughs> So that's so, great. And that's yeah. so true. That is always the case. You go to a restaurant, you're like, you tell everyone, you're like, it's fine. I'll find something on there. It's totally fine. If you're with a bunch of non-vegans and then they always just toss in cheese and meat on those salads, no matter what. I don't know why. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Tell me more about the kale and sausage gratin. I think that actually sounds fantastic. Well, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's kale. It's cooked down and it's got this really cheesy, creamy sauce. And 
it's tossed with sausage and it's just so comforting and delicious and full of flavor. What's so, the sauce made out of the cheese? Uh, you know, I have to <laughs> I have to look it up because it's got cream cheese in it. Uh, mm, yeah, you can, we really, can really use creamy. Miyoko's cream uh, cheese for yeah, that. Well, you can use ours or you can use Kite Hill. It also has coconut cream, which sounds nice. like an odd combination, um, but it really makes it rich and you don't taste that coconut. I was going to say uh, it sounds luscious and decadent to it, me. It's one mm. is very, very decadent. It's very, very um, luscious. So it almost sounds like a good holiday dish too. It is kind of like a good holiday dish, but it's very rich and it, it's 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 really yummy. So um, that's one of my favorites also. I love uh, that. So there's there's a little bit of everything. There's something that's light and elegant, and then there's you know really rich. The next chapter is called Comfort the Soul. So this this chapter is all about comfort food. Um, which contrasts with the wow them chapter, which is all about elevated cuisine. Uh, so that's uh, kind of how I, you know, really divide up the recipes. Uh, but I love that. That's, I love the, the difference in dividing these up too. And before we get to chapter two, I want to tell everyone I made the chilled sesame soba salad from, uh, the uh, starter small bites and salad side dishes chapter. And it was so good, everyone. It was so easy to make. It's one of those ones where it's soba noodles and some vegan chicken, and then a little mix of like rice vinegar and ginger mirror and sesame oil, sesame seeds, edamame, chilled. David and I both like, we, we portioned it up for a week, did it as a little meal prep situation. It was delicious. So that was a super quick and easy salad out of that first chapter too. But tell me about, we are in the comfort for the soul chapter. Tell me about the Colonel Passion, Colonel Compassion's best ever buttermilk fried chicken. Why is it the best ever? Oh, because it's Colonel Compassion and you can't. Yes. So yeah, this chicken is, you know, it's all about the crust, of course, what you're dipping it in, the batter, but it's also about the chicken. And I highly recommend you use one of the the chicken. uh, There's a juicy, there's a couple of DIY chicken recipes in here. And I highly recommend you use one of them, but there's one called, I think it's called Juicy Chicken. I can't remember the names of all. That sounds correct. I don't have, I've got the digital copy. Let me see if I can see right We here. have to send you one. So there's- Oh, I can't wait. Chicken in here and it, it, it is- Juicy that, Chicken. It is really juicy and it's flaky. Um, the uh, And it's just, you know, the it's just great fried chicken. I mean, I, I've served it to lots, to big groups of people. And people are just like, oh my God, this is so good. I can't um, wait to it's not just, that. you know, it's not like you can just take any seitan and batter fry it and it's going to be delicious. Sure. Uh, so true. this is really, really delicious. Um, is there something special to your seasoning that you have for it? You know, there's, so it's actually kind of like a three, it's like a interesting process where you make this wet batter, a really thick batter that has like mustard and all kinds of seasonings in it. And then you dip it in flour to get at that kind of coat. Uh, oh, you know. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's what great. gives it that extra bit of crust or what, whatever crispy exterior. Crispy, really, crunchy really goodness. Flavorful. Um, another recipe I really like in here. This is an interesting one. I had no idea what a pambazo what it was, but um, it's a Mexican sandwich, a guajillo chili dipped Mexican sandwich with chorizo and cheese and lettuce and it's spicy. And um, it, I, I found out about it from, we have a cook here named Miguel. So at Miyoko's, we we serve, we have a staff kitchen. We serve all the meals. So people nice. go off site. And it's just amazing the food that comes out of there. But, but Miguel 
um, one day made up all these amazing red sandwiches. They look devilish. And I was like, what is that? And red, you don't, and you mean what was the, the filling of the sandwich was red is what you mean? No, the outside is red. So you take, oh, so the filling is red. Um, and there's potatoes in there too. It's really interesting. But then you, oh my take goodness, the sandwich, the roll, it's like it's on a roll. And then you dip it in this guajillo chili sauce and it turns red. Oh my goodness. I mean, and I've never had anything like that. And I, after I tasted it, I was like, why the hell are, pardon my language, burritos, why are burritos such a thing? But no one has ever heard of pambazos in the United States. But he's from Mexico City. He had a restaurant there. So he taught me how to make it. So I do have a few recipes in here from other people. Um, in this chapter, there's a jambalaya recipe from um, Jacob, who was a chef in New Orleans. Uh, when I went to visit New Orleans, he was a great, uh, just a, a, a great host and made me this amazing jambalaya. Um, and I was like, oh, my God, this is the best jambalaya I've ever had. And, you know, this tells you how much I know, how little I know about um, food from uh, that area. I didn't know that jambalaya didn't have tomatoes in it. I would always put tomatoes in my jambalaya. Wow. So you, There's no tomatoes in jambalaya. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Well, so, so you learn something new every day. So, you know, there are some recipes in here. I give the the people that taught me how to make them, um, you know, that they provided me the recipes credit, but those are two recipes that, um, that came from others that I think are just amazing. Um, really comforting. That's why they're in the, the comfort, the, the soul. And that's Jacob's New Orleans authentic jambalaya and that's then right. pump. Pombazos, 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 pombazos. Oh, yes. that sounds delicious! I can't wait to make that yep. one. Absolutely. So good. I'm, I'm, my eyeballs on this meat and cheddar pie with green onion biscuit crust, honey. Well, it sounds like a comfort food dream. Well, that is my one of my daughter's favorite dishes. So, Ugh. um, I, you know, I don't. I was just trying to figure out. I was. It just made sense to put biscuits on top of it. And what makes this dish unique is that it has a little bit of curry powder in it. And so it just changes the, the it just adds more complexity. So it's not just a plain old, you know, just plain old biscuit, but it's a biscuit with scallions sure. and, and curry powder. So it just adds more flavor, a little, um, just adds a twist. Um, so I, I love scallions. I think they make everything better. They're so delicious absolutely. and easy. Just so easy. We got uh, other comfort dreams in here. Like we've got uh, the shepherd's pie, but this has got a little twist with the bratwurst. Uh, and then you've got the beer battered fish and chips. I have no doubt this will become a go-to fish and chips recipe for many, many. I'm also eyeing the sausage calzones because I love a calzone. It's got roasted fennel and preserved lemon. Can yeah, the preserved the lemon really does a lot to it. So that, yes. that, that I mean, that's a, a little twist also, um, but it's still very, very comforting, you know? Um, so that's great. Um, and, you know, also the, um, the rotisserie chicken, if you use the juicy chicken is pretty good. I mean, I had, yes. as a child, I used to go to the, um, you know, I, when, when I was eating meat, my, my dad would take me to the grocery store and, you know, they always have the rotisserie chicken there. Um, and that was like a special Sunday night dinner. So I have these memories of that. Um, and so I, I created my own and in researching it, I, you have to actually brine the chicken for 24 hours. So I did the same thing, uh, with my juicy chicken and it really, nice. really, you know, just amps it up, gives it, yeah. a, um, so that's fun. 
Uh, well, when you speak of amping it up, I'm look. I'm just kind of like staring with my jaw open right now because I'm looking at this chapter even closer now. It's just a really elevated comfort food chapter. Like it's not. It's it's standard comfort food, but there really is just a nice little amped up twist to a lot of these recipes, which I, is really, you know, really refreshing. That is really kind of how I approach most things. Um, you know, even the meatloaf, the Sunday night meatloaf, is really delicious. I can't tell you how many meatloaves I made. <laughs> my family was tired of meatloaf made out of beyond or, you know, uh, hungry planet or any of these Sure. until I finally got the recipe that I wanted. Um, you know, it really is a matter of all these different, there's lots of different spices and in here, things like all spice that you wouldn't typically find, but you would find in, in traditional meat cookbooks, um, you know, and just adding enough mushrooms in there to, um, just make it more interesting. It's a combination sure. of not just not just the beyond meat, uh, the ground, but it also has sausages in it. Um, and oh, a little mix in there. Okay. And so that it, so when I finally got this right, my one of my daughters was rolling her eyes and she's like, "You got to be kidding! Another meatloaf." <laughs> uh, and then she tasted it and she says, "Wow, this one works." So nice. Yeah, that's great when someone when when. A, te- a little taste tester is fed up with it. And then you give them one and they're like, oh, wait a minute. This is it. You're like, oh, okay, great. We're there. We did it. Yeah. We did it. <laughs> I mean, well, some recipes come together really quickly and others that should seem so easy. It's like, oh, oh for sure. Oh, beyond, you know, meatloaf should be easy. And it just wasn't that easy. <laughs> and you get to that point where you're like, maybe this isn't going to be in the book. Maybe we're at the wall here. That's and then exactly right. turns around so That's nicely. Right. I'm glad. Yeah. Well, Chapter three is weeknight wonders. What is a recipe in here you would tell someone to make first who just gets the book? Someone who just got it. Um, you know, it depends on whether you're into um, kind of Western flavors or Asian flavors, but um, a really simple one. I really like sort of the, I don't know, Americanized Korean style, the kimchi beef bowl, which is on the cover of the book. Oh, um, nice. It's really simple and really tasty. Um I also like um, the, uh, you know, the roasted meat sauce is done in the oven. Um, it takes about two hours in the oven, but it cooks down and it's really meaty and delicious. Um, I really like that. And it's, that has smoked paprika in it, which really adds a whole bunch of flavor. And it's got a little bit of cayenne or chili pepper, which kind of amps it up too. Um, so I really like that. One of my daughter's favorite recipes is the, the stovetop beef or chicken parmigiana. Um, when she uh, in high school, this was a dish that I used to make with seitan. When she had you know friends over that weren't vegan, she sure. you just make your parmigiana. And, <laughs> and so I used to do it in the oven. Then I figured out I could make them by the piece on the stovetop, and it's just super simple. So I mean, that's just something that you can throw together in about fifteen minutes. And then, you know, something that's a little bit more interesting, sounds a little bit more elevated, but comes together in about 15 minutes is the portobello mushroom stuff with pesto chicken. Mm. It's it's basically just some store-bought vegan chicken with pesto sauce stuffed in a portobello mushroom and baked. But just just that combination, even though it's so simple, seems really elevated. Well, uh, you know, it sounds delicious. And I'm curious, in writing this book, clearly you made the DIY staples, but were you trying other brands with stuff when you tested all of this as well? Oh, my God. Yes. That's why every single, almost every recipe tells you which brands you can use. 
I love that. I am. Um, and, and it does everyone. She gives uh, brand recommendations in this book, which is super helpful, especially for somebody who maybe, you know, is just getting into the world of vegan cooking. that's very, very helpful. I got to tell you, I really love that Tofurky brand uh, chicken, like the little chicken cubes that they have. It's so oh, tasty. yeah. The, the slow cooked chicken. Yeah, I love that. I think that's great. I've I've been yeah. so impressed with how Tofurky has just like grown in the last decade with all of their foods and everything is is usually so tasty for them that I get these days. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, they've done a great job. They really have. So cool. Well, in this chapter, so we're still on the weeknight wonder chapter. You gave us some really great ones you mentioned there. I was curious, you did mention the beef or chicken parmigiana, and that was a dish you'd often make for family uh on a weeknight. Is there anything else tried and true that you would make for your family on a weeknight that made it into this chapter? Yeah. So one of them is the high protein spot miso ramen. And, um, you know, I, I, it's, it uses, um, you know, a lot of people are into protein. You're trying to get something healthy and you have, you want to get dinner on the table in 15 minutes and you don't want to even drain the pasta because there's there's too much trouble. And so this uses the, um, the bean pastas, you know, the, 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 the yes. that are made out of edamame or edamame and black bean. Yeah. Oh, so good. It doesn't matter. So it's not a true, you know, I, I had to like, uh, I felt like I was committing a sacrilege because <laughs> Japanese. Um, so I had to, you know, ex- just sort of apologize in the head note there, but you know, that's just something we actually eat quite frequently. Something like sure. that. it's just, you can get your, all your fiber, your protein, your vegetables, and you sneak everything in there. It's a one pot, easy meal. Uh, you know, it's definitely less than 30 minutes. And I got to say about those protein noodles, I mean, the bean noodles, they're delicious. And and it makes you feel like you're getting a little bit of pasta in. So it's a nice little, uh, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a cheat, but something to slide in if you're a pasta lover and you want to decrease your pasta intake, but still get that sort of uh, mouthfeel and everything. They're really tasty. Absolutely. Yep. I- I love it. You've also got kale and chickpea stew and beef stroganoff in here. And those two are, I'm, I'm definitely putting post-it tabs on those. And I'm going to go back to those two. I love a good beef stroganoff and I know yours is going to be out of this world. So I'm here. Well, for And it. also, you know, lasagna is too, too uh, labor intensive to make on a weeknight, but actually the lasagna roll-ups are really easy. Ah. And, and I really like that one too. Um, and what elevates that are the duck cells, you know, these are, um, finely chopped mushrooms and you have a sun-dried tomato pesto on that. So that's kind of an elevated weeknight wonder because you nice. know that's what this chapter is about. It's not just comfort food. There's some in here, um, that are a little bit more elevated, even though it's a weeknight. So if you've got guests coming on a weeknight, you know, that's something that you can, you'll have time to make. Whip up for them quick and easy, but also elevated at the same time. It doesn't get any better except for maybe in chapter four, which is the wow them chapter. You spared no expense for us here. Uh, you did it all starting the chapter off with a bang with a beef bourguignon. Tell us about your version of this classic dish. Well, this is one that, you know, I we used to have these big parties pre-COVID. Um, Pre-COVID. Around Christmas, we'd have about 100 people over. And this is what, you know, every year, this is one of the ones that I would make every, I don't know, rotate it every few years or so. Because um, it's it's so rich. It, it takes several hours to make. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. And this is... You're, listen, you're right up front about it. Everyone she tells you in the header, she's like, get ready to dive in here. Well, this is a wow them recipe. So it's, right. what, you know, you're going to make when you have a crowd, you're not going to make it for yourself and your husband. You, it, you can freeze it. It does freeze, but the sauce is a reduction sauce. 
and it takes a, you know a couple of hours to to make from the time you you've made that you chop all your vegetables and um you do the mirepoix and then you you know then you add all the other ingredients and you 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 uh, simmer it way down um you know you reduce it um but it, it's absolutely rich and decadent and delicious so that's one that is great but you know i i actually made a bunch of recipes that i had either loved at one point or didn't have experience with, but I had been enamored with, uh, by reading cookbooks, um, like, like, um, uh, Coco van. I've never had Coco van. I've been a vegan for 35 years. I was a vegetarian before then I only read about Coco van and just heard about Coco van. <laughs> and I've had vegan versions of cassoulet and never really thought it was much to think to speak of. Sure. Um, and I just had to prove that, I thought, okay, I'm going to just try to do this. So I, I read recipes for cassoulet and coca van and figured out, you know, what is it? What's the technique here? What makes it special? Right. Um, and then I went about trying to recreate a vegan version and they're just, you just, they'll, they're just, uh, they'll knock you. I mean, they're, they'll knock you, you know, you're knock your socks off or whatever. Yes. Yes. They're don't. They, wow you and knock your socks off. They will wow you and knock your socks off. I mean, they're just so they're great dishes. And then the booyah base is something that um, there was a short period. So I was a, a vegan. I was a vegetarian. And then right before I went vegan, there was a short period when I was living in Japan for various reasons. I ate seafood for a short time and I had booyah base at that time. And the you know, the saffron, the heady scent of the saffron and the tomatoes and the olive oil and the garlic. It just, it was just one of those things that, that just sort of embedded itself in my memory. And, um, and so I have a booyah base in here and it's, it's delicious. I mean, it's, it's rich, it's heady. These aren't things that, you know, you, you're going to cook on a weeknight. Right. Um, but then there's something that, you know, the lobster, the garlic lobster fettuccine is really pretty uh. And that involves the lobster that you make it um, here, but something you could do on a, a weeknight if you make the um, the uh, the the suck the steak recipe. I can't remember what it's called now. Succulent, succulent steak. Succulent steak. You know, on a weeknight, if you happen to have a bunch of succulent steak in your refrigerator or the freezer, you can make the Hasselback steak with balsamic chimichurri sauce. Chimichurri yes. sauce, and the, and you can do that on a weeknight. Um, and that's, that's amazing. Um, so there's really a lot in here. Um, when I was in New York, actually, uh, pre-COVID, of course, I taught a cooking class at Google. And, oh, nice. Yeah. And I, I, I made the king trumpet pulled pork and leek croquettes with porcini cheddar sauce there. So that oh. was even before I wrote the cookbook. Um. So, and everyone there loved it. So did you know, like, were you, were you working on this cookbook at the time? Did you know that was going to go in here? No, no, but that one doesn't have any meat substitute. doesn't have a meat substitute. It's got you, got you. Pulled pork, you know, the so-called pulled pork is made of king trumpet mushrooms. Um, so no, I, you know, I, it's a, it's a dish that I actually developed for, um, a big event, um, up in Napa. Uh, and they wanted, um, uh, you know, they wanted a vegan recipe and the chef asked me if I had a vegan recipe that could be served there. And so, um, you know, I gave them that recipe. Um, so I had already, some of these recipes, you know, I had already been in my repertoire, put it that way, but yeah. then there are some others like 
the pork tender love stuffed with onions, leeks, and apples. The pork oh. tender love is delicious. Um, and that's wonderful. Or the mustard glazed pork tender love with root vegetable puree and garlic beans. Um, and then the brisket roulade. So we'll talk about the brisket later when we get to the DIY chapter. Oh, one of my is so. everyone's mouth watering yet? It's okay. You don't even have to press pause on this podcast. If you're on your phone, you can go pre-order the book right now anywhere. Just get open, open your phone on your favorite bookseller and pre-order it. So good. All of this sounds so, so well, good. I, I have to point out another one that's one of my favorites. And yes. is the cabbage roll stuffed with wild rice, caramelized onions, and porcini in oh. a red wine sauce. And I served it to someone and they have been asking, I mean, they, they you know, it's one of those, People ask you for your recipe. It's like, well, how did you make that? And then the Zen kebabs, I just want to point out, is something that I served at my restaurant at Now and Zen. I love it. Uh, back in the 1990s. And that was like a, a restaurant favorite. So, uh, well, wow them. That's the name of that chapter, everybody. And uh, you're certainly wowing me as we go through this list here. And it takes us into chapter five, Around the World in 18 Dishes. This is a fun chapter. It really gives insight to how much you love and adore travel. It, give us a couple of your favorite items from this chapter. Sure. One of them I think that's a little interesting is the Persian eggplant stuffed with spiced beef and walnuts. It's just a really different layer, you know, just different flavors with like cinnamon that you wouldn't typically find in a lot of Western style recipes. So I think that one's really good. Uh, when we were in Sicily, do you, did you remember going to Moon? Oh, yes, of course. We filmed at Moon. You got that carbonara in here, don't think? I made this I one, actually. Carbonara in here, you know, because they, they sent over this this sort of recipe. It wasn't really a recipe. It was just a list of ingredients. Yes. <laughs> and so I had to like, okay, how do, you know, what's how much of this is and that? And I had to figure out how to make that. Um, but I think I did a pretty good rendition here. Uh, you did. We made it last week. It was delicious. Okay, great. Okay, so that so that one is kind of fun, and uh, and then there's just some other. You know, uh, the tantam men is a little bit different from most tantam men, but I that that one is good. Char shoe pork. If you're into uh, char shoe, um, that you know that's uh, that's really good. Um, now, what is char shoe? It's so it's pork. Basically, it's basically a Chinese barbecued pork. Okay. We, okay. Um, you know, Chinese five spice and hoisin sauce gotcha. flavor mix. Um, and so you just bake whatever it is, um, a vegan meat or seitan, homemade seitan in this sure. sauce for a long time. And it sort of infuses into the meat and it's, that's really, really delicious. Mm. Um, so that's kind of fun. Um, the, uh, moussaka, that's another dish I've never had. I've never had a real masaka. I went to Greece when I was 20 and I was a vegetarian. So I lived on spanakopita and tiropita <laughs> and uh, tzatziki and bread and lots of olives and cheese. And, but you know, moussaka was everywhere. And I was like, I wish I could try moussaka. I wish I could try moussaka, but I'm a vegetarian. I'm not going to eat it. Um, and so I finally just decided, you know, I, I made vegetarian moussaka before with seitan, but the, you know, Beyond Meat came out and I think that really does enhance it. So um, I really like that one too. Oh, that's great. Now you, uh, when we're able to travel again, do you have a list going? Do you know where you want to go first? Oh, well, you know, we're supposed to be going to Umbria later this year, but I don't know. If that's ah. 
So I'm hoping that trip is going to happen, but you know, who knows? Europe's still not open. I know they're, they're open for, uh, you know, vaccinated uh, passport holders. And um, so we'll see. I'm fully vaccinated, but I know a lot of people still aren't. So right. When is the trip supposed to be? Um, it's supposed to be October, October 1st through 10th. Well, I hope that your trip uh, goes. I'm scheduled to go to Ireland with a group in uh, May next year. So that should be, you know, fingers crossed. We're rolling along. But I really hope your trip goes. Anywhere else on your list for you to travel to that you must get to once we're o- open for business again? You know, I mean, I'm hoping that the UK will open up. I mean, there's a, yes. you've got in 2022, there's a couple of trade shows that are supposed to be there. And I want to get to New York, you know, get the to Times Square starting at May 3rd for we've got a big campaign that's going to be there. So I'm hoping to get to New York too. Oh, nice. If I'm going to get there or not. I don't know. It all depends, you know? I know. I know. It's a, it's a, it's a, everything's up in the air, but less up in the air than when we talked about a year ago. So that's good. That is true. Months ago. So we're light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, Speaking of the end of the tunnel, we're at the final chapter. Uh, The one we brought up at the beginning is the DIY chapter. Just make it the DIY art of making meat and cheese from plants. So I made the pancetta from here. I made it for the carbonara, Uh, but I also made the easy Buffalo mozzarella and everyone I have to tell you, it was exactly what it says, easy as can be, and so, so, so creamy and delicious. I actually um, had fed it to a carnivore for dinner, a little caprese salad, and she was delighted. Um, uh, it, it was just fantastic. So easy to make. This It's exactly what it says. Easy buffalo mozzarella. It couldn't have been easier. I, I was in love with it. Uh, was the book sort of built off this chapter, the DIY chapter, or... No, I mean, I had to kind of squeeze it in because they got you, you know, and I'm, and it just kept getting longer and they're (laughs) make it in here. And they were just like, just stop. I mean, it it is the biggest chapter in the book. If you look at the book, there's more, there's more DIY recipes than any other. Uh, I mean, it makes sense to me though. I mean, it seems appropriate. Yeah. And I could have gone on and on and on. And the more I got into it, it was like, oh, I got this idea and I got that idea. I really regret (laughs) that. You know, with all these cookbooks, you know, they're like, okay, you know, um, you're, it's due on such and such a day. You know, I had whatever, five months to write this book or something right. and right. I'm working full time and back, it was pre uh, pandemic. So I was traveling all the time. So like I'm squeezing, you know, squeezing it in, but I got so into it. I was like, I had so many more ideas. The more I get into things, the more ideas I get. I really sure. wanted to just keep experimenting and I could have added another, you know, two dozen DIY recipes, but I, I had to, they made me stop, put it that I, I get it. I hear you. I mean, when you get going, you get going. And we've talked about a lot of what's in this chapter already from fish to cheese, to steaks, to chicken. You have a variety of DIY options in here. Is there one DIY recipe that gets used most in other recipes throughout the book? Like one a listener might make first to be able to get multiple uses out of? Well, I think the charbroiled succulent steak gets a lot of use. Nice. Um, so that one, uh, you know, would be one you could obviously make. Um, the um, the juicy chicken is another one that can be used in a wide variety of, of dishes. Uh, so you might want to make that. Um, but, you know, one of my favorites is, um, and, and those are, by the way, both uh, seitan based, but there are uh, wheat-free recipes in here, like the homemade raw, um, I'm sorry, the, uh, the, the there was an instant burger Patty meatball and crumbles mix is actually like a mix that you keep in your cupboard. And when you want nice. something kind of meaty, you can 
you know, so it's not exactly like, it's not going to be like beyond meat. Sure. It can be very, very meaty. Uh, and then um, there's a gluten and oil-free ground beef crumbles. That's another, obviously gluten-free one. Uh, that's more healthy. Uh, that's healthier, not more healthy uh, <laughs> for you. Um, so there are some gluten-free recipes in here. Um, there's a, there's a, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the, the, uh, the loving lobster is, is one of my favorites. Um, one of my favorites, and I think it's funny is the, not Mrs. Maisel's brisket, but marvelous nevertheless, yes. um, because if you, if you're a fan of that show or were, uh-huh. um, you know, she was like forever going around, taking her brisket to all these clubs, <laughs> her husband could get a gig. And I've never had brisket. And I literally had to ask friends, what is brisket like? What's the big deal? Why is it in this show? And people told me, they described what brisket was like and how it sort of fell apart. And so I created this and it's just delicious. And it is used in a number of recipes in the book. That's great. Um, So it's a different texture than the steak. The steak is chewy and, and dense and the brisket is tender and kind of tends to fall apart and get flaky. Um. So, so good. Yeah. Well, you're so good at setting us up with staples and this book is brilliant. There's no other word to describe you and the work you do and continue to do. Thank you for this new collection of recipes. I'm excited to get the pages all dirty, just like my other Miyoko books. Um, and I, I'm not joking. I pulled the cheese book out the other day and I could barely turn the pages open. They were all stuck <laughs> together with splatters, so, which, I, which I love. That's a sign of a good book to me. So don't get me started on the disaster that is the unribs pages from the homemade pantry cookbook, either barbecue splatters everywhere. But anyway, this is the moment where I ask you, darling, do you have a book brag for us? Book brag! Something you're most proud of when it comes to this book and then we'll move into your rapid fire of questions oh my god rapid fire questions and a a brag book oh gosh you know i guess i'm just kind of uh proud i was able to pull this off (laughs) i mean really it's that was a challenge but also you know it was really fun for me to get back in the kitchen and do this creative thing because you know running miyoko's it's not like i'm on the bench creating products all the time we have i have an r&d department now and and I'm really, you know, I'm I, I'm doing more business stuff, and so just being able to exercise my creativity, I think, was was really a lot of fun. I love that, and and of course, we're so lucky you get to do it, and that's a great book brag. I'll take it. Uh, moving into your rapid fire questions, we're running out of time. You've been so generous here. Uh, one, if you could be an animal, what would you be, and why? Oh, I would probably be. Um, a cute little lamb. Um, oh, a cute little lamb. And what's the second part you said? At Rancho Compassion, getting lots uh, of love and snuggles from everybody. Yes, I love those pictures of you with all those babies. Uh, do you collect anything uh, besides rescue animals? That is, do you collect anything? Oh my God. Um, gosh, no. I'm. I'm. I'm not. <laughs> that- no, I'm not a collector. I'm sorry. I'm boring that way. I no, that's good. That's good. You're you're on the minimalist end. We'll say you collect rescue animals then, because I know that to be true. Yeah. Uh, if you could cook for a dead celebrity, who would it be? Oh, um, Julia Child. Nice. Favorite quick food item to make when you need a meal fast? Oh, you know, it's Asian. So I like Japanese style rice. Um, yes. Yes. And, and with anything. It could be donburi or with vegetables or tofu, but it's, it's always rice. When I, when I, when I need comfort, it's Japanese rice. So good. Uh, unribs or unturkey? Unribs. Favorite pasta shape? 
Oh, probably uh, Linguini. Someone who had influence on you growing up. You know, I, I realized my parents did, even though it's sunk in, as I had realized now that I'm in my 60s that I've been an entrepreneur my entire life, as I mentioned earlier, and they were entrepreneurs. That. Oh, that's great. Favorite flavor of ice cream? Oh, well, there are too many. I think my favorite <laughs> ice cream right now is made out of, you know, the frozen banana stuff that you freeze. Nice. I just love that. I enjoy that more than regular ice cream. Yeah, I do too, actually. So good. What are you reading right now? Oh, gosh. Um, I am going to read. Um, I just read Tribes by Seth Godin, and I'm going to read Purple Cow, which is his first book. What dish did you make last? What dish did I make last? Um, I can't remember. It's been. Isn't that funny? Yeah, it's been a few <laughs> days. I, I haven't cooked since uh, Saturday night. Because we got takeout and then I went to a friend's house and uh, all right, gosh, I'm sorry, I'm boring here. We can we ah. can say takeout. You cooked takeout last. There you okay. Go. <laughs> if you could pick up a certain skill instantly, what would it be? Oh, I would learn to fly. Nice. If you could live in any decade, which one would it be? Ah, I would live in the current decade because the, there's a lot of work to do right now to change the future of the planet. Absolutely. And progress is happening. Last one. Favorite place for food that you've traveled to? Oh, Italy. There it is. Hands down, Italy. I cannot. Yes. Yes. And everyone she speaks, lovely Italian, by the way. Not really, but anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's it. You did it. Miyoko, please tell everyone where they can find you on social media. Uh, You can go to, well, miyokos.com. You can also follow me on Instagram, Miyoko Shinner. I'm not super active on social media. Um, but Miyoko's.com, I I guess it's Miyoko's, what is our hashtag? I don't even know. I think you're, are you, you do you mean what's your, like the website or? No, the website is Miyoko's.com, but for like Instagram, I think if you just Google Miyoko's, I'm Yeah. You're at Miyoko Shinner, I believe. And then at Miyoko's Miyoko's Shinner, I know that. Yeah. Anyway, Uh I'm really bad at this stuff. So. That's all right. I'll, I'll I'll look and tell everyone for sure in the outro. Okay. We'll get it covered. So everyone go pre-order your copy of the Vegan Meat Cookbook, Meatless Favorites, made with plants by Miyoko Shinner right now. And don't forget to go back to episode one of Keep On Cooking to learn more about Miyoko's previous books and also her very expansive and accomplished career in the culinary world and beyond. You're a gem, Miyoko. Thank you for so taking you. the time. Thank oh, you. I, I adore it's you. It's been so much fun. Yes, yes, yes. And congratulations on another fantastic book. Thank you so much. Honestly, I was excited when I got the digital review copy, but now I just don't know where to start. I would I, I would eat anything she talks about. Her passion for food is so present when she talks about it. Her recipes, it's just it, they make me want to get in the kitchen and cook. I feel like I learn something every time I'm making something from one of her books. And 100. As I mentioned, I would confirm where to find Miyoko on her socials. We got to the end there and it got a little muddled for us. But her personal Instagram is at Miyoko Shinner and her company is uh, the company Miyoko's Creamery is at Miyoko's Creamery. That's all on socials. And of course, the website is simply Miyoko's.com. And she's just, I mean, just has been in the game for so long is like rein- She's so smart reinventing herself and pushing boundaries with her stuff and just at the forefront of all this like cool activism stuff mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the whole thing with the was it was it the word butter 
Yeah, she went through a whole. I believe there was went a, to a whole lawsuit. I think or she using ended the up word coming dairy or dairy or it was something. I mean, look up. I mean, it's pretty amazing. She she went against a, was it Nestle like a huge. No, company. I think that was her Bivers Butcher. But anyways, butcher, her whole but, thing is to make it phenomenally vegan, honey, and no apologies for it. Yeah, which no I love. apologies. Speaking of no apologies, <laughs> Dustin, what is your dish this week? Dustin's dish of. Okay, so since this book is uh, focuses on meat, the vegan meat cookbook, I wanted to share a tried and true that's super, super easy uh, in my repertoire of things that you can w- easily whip up quickly with a food processor. It's raw walnut taco meat, y'all. What? It's so simple, and there's many different variations of this, and Miyoko even has a raw meat in the cookbook. Uh, and this is one I've made for years when I needed that hearty sort of addition to a taco or a salad or a burrito. Uh, it's super quick to make. You can add on to all those things. And really, this is just uh, only because I had to give some sort of measurement. I say toss some walnuts into a food processor and add spices that you like. Even if you have like a vegan-friendly taco spice mix, just toss that in and pulse sure. up the walnuts. Um, I also like to add walnuts taco seasoning and a little sun-dried tomato that's like another version of it you just pulse it up into crumbles but if you want some measurements in a food processor add one cup raw walnuts a tablespoon of tamari or soy sauce a teaspoon of garlic powder a teaspoon of cumin and a teaspoon of paprika or smoked paprika if you like that smoked touch which i do yeah um and if you want it to get a little heat you can add a dash of chili powder or some crushed red pepper and really hot you can add like a little pinch of cayenne pepper add everything to the food processor pulse together until crumbly adjust seasonings as needed and use on taco salads lettuce wraps my personal fave is the lettuce wraps burritos or straight up tacos boom easy and fast you can even make this and keep it stored in the fridge forever i mean not like forever but literally you can store this in the fridge as long as you're not using i wouldn't do it with the sun-dried tomatoes or fresh garlic or anything but if you're doing the walnuts and just spices you can like keep that in the fridge for months to have on hand to use as you need delicious delicious and like great on like Tops of salads. Mm-hmm. Um, anything. Anything. So, yeah. So, we are at the end. Anything. <laughs> I was like, where are we? Um, uh, so, please rate, review, and subscribe. Please, please, please uh, be sure to tune in next week when we talk about Dustin's new epic vegan quick and easy with a fabulous guest host. Oh, my goodness. Who could it's, it be? It's my... It's my new book, Epic Vegan, Quick and Easy. And that's right. We're flipping the script. And David is going to be your host with the most for the week. Yes. As we dive deep dive into my new book. So be sure to come back and give us a listen. David's going to be on the interviewing end. And I will be getting the questioning. Of course. So be sure to come back and give us a listen. I'm really excited to tell you all about this book. Until then, keep on cooking. And remember, it's nice to be nice. This has been a Muzzy Cat production.